Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's praise him. Let's roar, Lizzie. <laughs> praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We give you glory in this place. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. I'm excited this morning, this Easter morning. The stone was rolled away. The stone was rolled away in Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Amen. He has arisen and he is alive. Amen. He's risen and my, the word that the Lord gave me today to give to you is that the veil was torn in two. The veil that separated us by the law in the Holy of Holies was torn in two. Matthew 27, 51 proves it. It says, behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. That's the power of God, the power of the resurrection. The veil was rent in twain, in two, from top to bottom, and the earth did quake. There was an earthquake, and the rocks rent. The ground responded to the power of God. The earth gave way to the power of God as he tore the veil in two that separated us from his glory. And now we can come into his presence because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, we can come in to the mighty presence of Jesus we can come in to his glory. There's no separation. We're not separated by the law because the blood took our sins away. In Jesus' name, the blood took our sins away and has given us the opportunity of coming before the Father with boldness through and in Jesus Christ. We better not go without Jesus Christ. Let's say that. But through Jesus, we can come boldly to the throne of God. And Lord, I praise you for that this morning. I praise you that there's no separation. Lord, that sin and death cannot hold us back. That Jesus, you won the victory. You won the victory when you rose victorious from the dead and you took the keys of hell and death in your hand. And we stand here today and proclaim your glory. We proclaim your glory over this land. We proclaim your glory over these people. We proclaim your glory over all those that you have called to salvation. And the word says that you have called everyone to salvation. Hallelujah. 
So we stand here this morning in awe of you, Jesus. In awe of you. In awe of the sacrifice. You, the perfect lamb, the perfect and holy lamb of God, the final sacrifice given on our behalf. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. And we come here together as a body of believers. We gather together as a body of believers because you said, forsake not the gathering. So we come here this morning to partake, to partake of the miracle of God, the body of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ poured out for us for the forgiveness of sin. We come to you, Jesus. We come to you together as your body, as your body of believers, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And we come here to obey you because you said, you must eat of my body and drink of my blood. And so we partake together in the name of Jesus, in the power of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And let's together hold up the body as we partake of Holy Communion together. The body of Jesus, the body of Jesus, he said to his disciples, here, take a piece of bread. And then he said, this is my body. This is my body. This is my body. The body of Jesus is in our hands. By supernatural Holy Spirit power, we hold his body in our hands that was broken for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your body broken for us, for our healing that we would be healed, set free, and delivered. Hallelujah. Let's break it together. Thank you, Jesus. And let's partake. Heal our bodies this morning, Jesus. Heal our minds. Heal our spirits. God, heal our soul. Heal our soul as we partake of the holy body of Jesus. We praise you and we thank you for your healing power over us this morning. Heal us, God, by your mercy and your grace. Hallelujah. And then, Lord, we take the blood, the blood of Jesus, we take it, Lord, in our hands, and we pray, Jesus, that we would never look at this casually, that we would never just drink this down like a drink of grape juice. Father, we lift this before you as you transform this, as you said to your disciples as you passed around the cup, this is my blood poured out. This is the new covenant of my blood. This is the new covenant 
That's what happened when the veil was torn. When the veil was torn, the new covenant started. Jesus had won the victory through his blood. And so, Lord, this morning as we partake of your blood, we pray for the victory in our life. We pray for victory to be in our veins and in our blood and in our bodies, Lord. Cover us, Lord, with the blood this morning. Forgive us, Jesus. Cleanse us by the beautiful and holy blood of Jesus. And we'll partake together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the body and the blood. And thank you, Jesus, that when you tore the veil by your Holy Spirit in the temple all those years ago, you told us that what you want for us is to have relationship with you. Hallelujah, Lord. We receive that this morning by your grace and by your power. Lord, come upon each person by the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, bring us to holy conviction, which brings freedom because we come to the cross. We don't come by our works. We come by your works, what you've done. And we praise you this morning. We praise you, God. We thank you and we give you glory. And everyone said, Amen. Wow, praise the Lord. Mom and Ed made it. It's been a long time waiting. But they're here, amen? amen. Thank you, Jesus. And they're healed in Jesus' name, amen? From top of the head to the tips of their toes. So, Father, we just thank you, Lord God, as we come into your house. Lord, we give you all the praise and honor and glory. We thank you for each person here. We pray a special blessing upon them. We pray that you would bless their giving, Lord God, as, Lord, we give into your kingdom where rust and moth will not devour. And I just thank you, Lord. I pray that you would multiply in our finances and that you would do a mighty work. And you have already done some mighty works, Lord God, great works, Lord God. And, and today is just a testimony of one of those days of the great work that you've done, the risen Christ who is not in the tomb, who is alive, who is alive, and Lord God, who is over all of us, who overcame so we can overcome. And we give you all the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, happy Easter. Happy Easter. There you go. <laughs> he is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. Amen. 
Thank you, Jesus. You know, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the pivotal point for all Christianity. All Christianity. All the Christian faith. The whole Christian faith. All our hope is on Jesus and the resurrection. Not only did all of the disciples witness this, but the two Marys who ran to the tomb to find it empty. For the disciples waiting there when they came back, saying, he's gone, he's gone, he's risen. And Jesus appearing to them. But many other witnesses have recorded this day, an account of this day. And you know, this is a this is the most important day of our Christian faith, is the resurrection Jesus. And you know, there's a little thing that I thought was neat, is that this year we are celebrating the, resurrect, the resurrected Christ the same day that the Jewish people have been celebrating the Passover. Our holiday falls at the same time. And that's like only the third time that's happened in this century that that has happened. Which I thought was unique. But you know, a lot of people try to disprove the resurrection. And you can't. The resurrection, it was an actual historical event that took place. We didn't make it up. The resurrection isn't a myth. It's not a fable. It's not, a, it's not just a story, but it's a true story. You know, there was a, a historian, a Jewish historian by the name of Josephus, and his account of the resurrection. I'll read it to you. His most celebrated passage is called the Testimonium Flavinium. By Josephus. And it was written around AD 37 to 100. And I'm going to paraphrase everything that he says. He says that Jesus was a wise man. If it be lawful. To call him a man. He did wonderful works. A teacher of the truth. Who men received with pleasure. He drew to him both Jews and Gentiles. He was the Christ. And Pilate and the suggest, suggestion of principled men, this and the suggestions of principled men among us, he said, had condemned him to the cross. Those who loved him and did not forsake him. For he appeared to them again on the third day. As the divine prophets had foretold. Now this was a Jewish historian that wrote this about Jesus. This is a fact. 
Can you imagine being there alive, seeing all of this take place, seeing your Savior die on a cross? You know, Jesus died hanging on a cross when he gave up, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then he spoke his last breath and they pierced a spear into his side and blood and water poured out. They took him down from the cross. They rolled him up in a tomb. And it says, and one thing, it says that even Nicodemus offered myrrh and, and things for Jesus' body to be wrapped up in. And then they literally carried the body of Jesus to the tomb. And they rolled a stone over it. He actually died. But Josephus, in his account, said that he rose, just like he foretold, just like the prophets foretold, just like Isaiah foretold. There was another man. His name was Suetonius. And Suetonius was a Roman historian, an analyst in the imperial house of Nero. And he was writing Nero's biography. And he was talking and he was mentioning of the persecutions of the Christians. And it says he called them a class of men given to the resurrection. He speaks of the resurrection in Nero's biography of Jesus Christ. And he speaks of these men that are being persecuted because of their faith in Jesus. This is all written down in their history books, not just in the Bible. It wasn't just the 12 disciples and the two Marys that witnessed this, let alone the 500 people that witnessed him when he walked the earth for 40 days after his resurrection. Another historian by the name of Pliny the Younger wrote a letter to the empire, Trajan, around A.D. 111, describing, and this one I thought was really interesting, he was describing the gatherings of the Christians and they met, guess on what, which day? Which day do you think they met? Now this was 111 A.D. 1900 and what? 11 years ago? It says that they gathered early on Sunday morning. Well, how about that for forsaking, not gathering together of the brethren? When the early Christians gathered together early on Sunday mornings in memory of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How about that? The Christians that gathered early Sunday mornings in memory of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
Those are just three accounts of three different historians of Jesus' day that wrote about the resurrection. The world out there tries to deny the resurrection. They cannot deny the truth. They try to wipe away history. They're trying to do it now. They've tried to do it with the Jews. But they cannot wipe away the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way. We are followers of that way. We are believers of that way. And that way is through Jesus Christ who died on a cross, who rose the third day. We're not just believing a fabled story or a myth, but we are believing the truth. We are standing on solid ground. And don't let the world deceive you. And it's not just the world. Who is the prince of the world? Is the devil. The devil is the prince of this world. And our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers, authorities of darkness in high places. Principalities. It's the devil that brings in lies. The case for Christ is real. We don't just worship a false god. We worship a God that overcame, like my wife Julie said, that torn the veil in two. When he died, the veil was torn in two. He made a way into the Holy of Holies that no one else could make a way. Only God could have done that. And when he did it, the whole ground shook. And it said that the skies turned dark. And they shook. And men feared. And they said, surely he was God. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to read verses 1 through 22. It says this, and Paul is pleading with them, like, like our faith is real. This faith is real. He's saying, brothers, now brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand. Do you know we, by accepting Jesus Christ, we are taking a stand. We are believing that Jesus died on the cross. We are believing that he died for our sins. We are believing that his word is true. And Paul is saying, you are taking your stands. By this gospel, you are saved. You are saved from what? What are we saved from <laughs> besides ourselves? But we are saved from death. We are saved from eternal damnation. We are saved from our sins. We are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Listen, this is the very first thing that Paul preached. Was the resurrection of Jesus. It was so important to Paul that he went around through all of those places in that area. 
preaching the resurrection of Jesus. And Paul was a persecutor of the Christian faith. Until God stopped him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he blinded him. And then his eyes were opened to the truth of Jesus. He's saying, hold on firmly to the word I preach to you. Don't let it go. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. You see, Paul was a man, a wise man, a learned man. And he knew the Scriptures. He knew the Old Testament. And he said he fulfilled the Scriptures. He did everything the prophets, the great prophets, foretold. He said, for our sins, according to what the Scriptures have said, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. Again, he's, he's referring them back to their own Scriptures. He's saying, according to the Scriptures that we're reading, according to your own accounts of what the prophets have said, that Jesus died on the third day he rose. And that he appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time. Most of whom are still a living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me. Also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace given to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not, not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preached. And this is what you believe. This is what he preached. This is what they all preached. That Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Only God can do that. Only God can wash away our sins. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Only the blood of Jesus. The Passover lamb that washed away all our sins can do what he's done. And then Paul goes on to say, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead. How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Because if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless. 
And so is your faith. Think about that. If Christ wasn't raised in all their preaching, everything the 12 disciples went out and did was all in vain. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. And what does it say in the Old Testament? Do not give false account. Do not be a false witness. For we have been, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him. If in fact the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith, my faith, is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. We are all lost if Christ hasn't been raised. All of us are lost and we're doomed. We're doomed because of our sins. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. And that death came through a man all the way back. I read it this morning. If you go to your Bibles and you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, when Adam took part of that apple or that fruit from the tree. That's when death began. That's when sin entered this world. And God had a plan all the way back in the beginning to redeem man. And that is through Jesus Christ. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each of each in his own turn. Christ, the first fruits, then, when he comes, those who belong to him, listen to this. Christ. The first fruit, then, when he comes, those who belong to him, then the end will come. When the hands, when he hands over the kingdom of God, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, for he must reign. You see, that's what Christ has done. Christ has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power over this earth. And all dominion, authority, and power on this earth was given to the devil. And Jesus Christ demolished it all. He only didn't demolish it. He destroyed it. And not only did he destroy that, but he also destroyed death. And for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. 
The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that he does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. Now if there is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptized? For the dead, if the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I die every day, Paul says. I mean that, brothers, just as surely as I glory over you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus for merely human reasons, what have I gained if the dead are not raised? What have I gained if the dead are not raised? Paul is saying right there to us, he goes, why, why would I be doing this if this is not true? Why would I go out and preach the gospel of Christ and condemn myself if it's a false teaching? But Christ did raise from the dead. He did show himself true. And he, not only that, he showed himself to me, he says. And he's telling them, I tell you the truth. Jesus is the resurrection. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Isaiah 25, 7-9 says this. For on this mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces, he will remove the disgrace of his people from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. That's what Jesus did for us. He removed the shroud. He tore the veil in two. He made a way for all of us. In that day they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. That was the prophet Isaiah speaking of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus is beyond all of our imagination. It is the central place that his resurrection must play in our faith. That Jesus through the spirit of holiness, was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. That is Romans 1.4. The resurrection is the proof of all Christ's claims and a solid foundation for our faith. Jesus' resurrection is the guarantee that the death that grips the human race because of Adam has been conquered. And that life is now our destiny. Think about that. Life is now our destiny because of the resurrection of Jesus.
Because death came through Adam, life comes through Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 15, 55, it says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? My assurance and yours is what the Lord has done. And not some accomplishment of mine or yours. Our assurance is in what the Lord has done. It is not anything that we have done. Amen? We live because He lives. And because He lives, we too will live with Him forever in eternity, in paradise. Oh, what a day that will be. Can you imagine that day? That day we're with Him in paradise? To be with our Savior, the perfect spotless Lamb, who shed His blood for you and for me, who went to the cross, who bore our sins so that we could be free. Oh, what day that'll be. Who made a way when it was impossible. He made the impossible possible. And His blood is still doing that today. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus' blood has not lost one drop of power. It hasn't lost one bit of, one ounce, one bit, one gram, whatever. One bit of power. His blood is still doing it today. And it's still available today for all humanity. I wrote down here, don't be like the Sadducees. Because they're sad, you see. <laughs> because they don't believe in the resurrection. There is an eternal destiny. You know, there is an eternal destiny for all of us. And it's life beyond this life. We have a life beyond what we see and what we know and what we hear and what we feel. We are not of this world. We are spiritual beings. There is life beyond this life that we are looking forward to that day of being with Christ. I wrote down here, resurrection or rapture, whichever comes first. Lord, I want to be ready and I want my family ready. Resurrection or rapture, whichever comes first. I know I'll be with you like it was with Elijah and Enoch. When Enoch walked with God and God took him because he was no more. And when he sent the flaming chariots down for Elijah to pick him up and take him away. It's either going to be rapture or resurrection. I want to be ready, and I want you all ready for that day. Amen? Amen. Resurrection or rapture, Lord, have your will. So, Father, I just thank you, and I praise you for this day. Lord God, I pray that this day, Lord God, that we would just enjoy the fellowship we have with you that you've given to us. Lord, let us, Lord God, draw closer to you each day. Lord God, as we celebrate your resurrection, as we celebrate, Lord God, the life you've given to us, I pray that you would go before us, make straight our paths, that your angels would watch over us and take care of us, that you would provide your personal protection for us, and that, Lord, you would bless us, bless us indeed. Lord, I thank you that mom and dad are here, 
Lord God, after being recovered from COVID and being sick, Lord God, this winter, I thank you, Lord God, that they are here, that they are healed in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord God, that you have plans for them yet and that you have plans for this place and this family. Our family, Lord God, that your hands are upon, I pray that you would keep them there and that you would draw them in and that you would draw in those that aren't here that should be here today, that you would soften their hearts and work in their lives. And I pray that we would never forsake gathering together of the brethren just like they did the early Christians did early on Sunday morning. They got together to celebrate the resurrection Christ. Hallelujah. Lord, let us be believers. Help us to be followers of the way. Help us to live for you each day. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. amen.